Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. There was a little football game on last Sunday afternoon. Did uh, any of you happen to see that? Yeah, some of you, some of you watched it. Some of you were, some of you were happy. Some of you are sad. I, I, I understand that. Uh, and uh, you know, even as the game was being hyped, and they were talking about uh, the, the 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 young and the old uh, quarterbacks, they're throwing around this term, uh, greatest of all time, goat. That's what you see the word goat. People talk about goat. It means the greatest of all time. And uh, you know, and they're arguing before the game. They were arguing over which, you know, was it the new, was it the old, and uh, and then of course after the game, you know the and and I, and I was I was thinking, you know, you know, is is Tom Brady the greatest of all time? Uh, and and I came across a picture that I want to share with you. We can pull that picture up because uh, uh, I'm thinking about the greatest of all time and 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 who. Uh, uh, who I would consider to be in that league. We got the picture. Is it coming up here somewhere? This would be a good time for that picture to come up. <laughs> Gotta love the technology. We're working on it. Um, there it is. There's the greatest of all time. All right, so we're looking at, for those of you who are out on the lawn, a, a couple of years ago, the NFL did something with a 100. What was it? Uh, uh, a hundred seasons, it wasn't a hundred seasons, we can't because we're, what, only 50 Super Bowl, whatever it is. But anyway, these are some of the greatest quarterbacks who have ever played the game. Uh, is there anybody out there that can identify all of them? Oh yeah, you got there's a couple of people out there. I'm gonna, for those of you who are out on the lawn, they're all wearing these smashing uh, uh, maroon blazers, and uh, there are seven of them uh, on the uh, on your far left. You would start there with uh, Brett Favre. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next to him is John Elway. And then uh, next is Roger Starbuck. Very good, yeah. Starbuck? Yeah, Starbuck, yeah, yeah. It's not Starbucks. Starbuck. Roger And then Peyton Manning is right behind him. Uh, and then next over is Joe Montana. Of course, you know, I being a 49ers fan for years and years, uh, you know, <laughs> and then and then you have a very young Tom Brady uh, uh, standing there, and then next to him is uh, Dan Marino. That's right. So uh, I'm looking. So okay, you you can take that down. But anyway, so that's what we're looking at, you people out there on the lawn. We're looking at these seven great quarterbacks and people wondering whether or not they are the greatest of, you know, which one is the greatest of all time. And yes, Tom Brady has won more Super Bowls than anybody else. And does that make him the greatest of all time? You know, we're watching Patrick Mahomes uh, coming up through the ranks. This kid is, this kid is, he's amazing. Uh, he's really at the beginning of his career. Where's he going to be at the end of his career? And it creates this, this, uh, 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 this problem because you, you're never able to definitively say this person is the greatest of all time because time has not fully yet played itself out. So you could say the, 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 the greatest up to date, but of course that doesn't have the same flair as greatest of all time. Uh, 
but as long as we are bound by physical time, anytime we would even uh, pretend to step forward or, or try to step forward and say, this person is the greatest, that person is the greatest, is, is we're, we're just, you know, flapping our gums because we don't know. Because somebody better can always come along. Now, uh, within Judaism, Moses was it. They thought Moses was the greatest of all time. I mean, after all, it was Moses uh, uh, who delivered the nation of Israel out of slavery. It was Moses uh, who, who did amazing miracles on the way to the mountain. It was Moses who received from the very hand of God the Ten Commandments. It was Moses that led them into the promised land. Moses who, who, who went to the people and said, God wants to covenant with us and, and, and he wants to create of us a nation of priests. Are you in? And they said, yes, we're in. And so uh, the, Moses was just the, the, the greatest thing since, you know, sliced falafel. I don't know. Uh, and, and so as, as if, you, if you have your Bibles, I would invite you to open them to the third chapter of Hebrews. Um, uh, because the, the writer of Hebrews is really trying to help us to understand. And we can say this with great authority that Jesus is, in fact, the greatest of all time. And you can say to me, well, wait, 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 Pastor, you just said that time is finite and that something better may come along. Nothing better is going to come along than Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ existed not only in time but outside of time. So Jesus, who was with God and was God in the beginning, who became flesh and dwelt among us, who ascended into the Father, is outside of time. And so we can confidently say that Jesus Christ is the greatest of all time. Now, I don't know if I'd go so far as to call him a goat, but, you know, greatest of all time. But you'll remember if you're, if you're, if you're, and I, and I know that uh, uh, Mr. Bland over here is well aware of all of the uh, sacrifices. And I'm sorry, I hear that you got kind of bombarded last week when people, I'm sorry about that. Uh, but, uh, uh, but he's up on all the sacrifice stuff. And there was one point where, where they would take two goats and they would sacrifice one and the other one, they would lay their hands on him and send him out into the wilderness. Uh, and that was called the scapegoat and, and uh, to take away the sins from the, uh, from the people. Jesus does that. Jesus takes away our sins once and for all. So he is the greatest of all time. And, and as you've got these, uh, in the, the author of Hebrews is writing to Jewish background believers who are struggling with persecution, not only from within the church, from the Gentile background believers for being too Jewish, but also from their Jewish families uh, uh, who want them to come back. And of course, the, the Romans are in there adding their own uh, 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 pressures to all of this. And so they're struggling. And and and, uh, and so the author here is, uh, we, as we talked earlier in the first two chapters, talking about the supremacy of Jesus. 
uh, and that he is above the angels, that he, that he became like us. So for a season, he was a little below the angels. But then at the resurrection, he goes back to being above the angels. And now he is seated at the, at the power of God. He sustains all things by the power of his word. And now the author of Hebrews is going to move in and narrow in on Moses and make sure that the readers understand as great as Moses was, Jesus is still greater. Listen to what we uh, listen to what is written these first six verses in the third chapter of the book of Hebrews. Therefore, therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of the house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God, God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, testifying to what would be said in the future. But Christ is, a, is faithful as a son over God's house. And we, we are God's house. If we hold on to our courage and the hope of which we boast. Great words, great reminders. You'll remember that uh, uh, in, back in chapter 2, the, uh, the author was telling us we need, to, we need to pay so close attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away uh, from this great salvation that has been given to us. And I just love how this uh, paragraph is, is unfolds for us. Brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, have you ever thought about what your heavenly calling is? You know, I'm convinced that we share a calling. Each and every one of us share a calling, but we have different calls. What's the difference between a call and our calling? I don't think we're all called to the same thing. Some people are called to medicine. Some people are called to be pilots. Some people are called... To, uh, to be accountants. Some people are called to be attorneys. Some people are called to uh, give their lives to the military. We have different callings, but in, in those specific calls, we have a shared calling. And I would suggest to you, and I thought about this, I thought about it just this morning. Uh, we, we, were talking about, uh, we were talking about this with the guys on Saturday morning. And... Uh, 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 and, and, and it's very reformed. The great painting, I've, I've talked to you about it before. Actually, it's, it's mediocre art, but the, but the subject is so great. It's a, 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 a portrayal of Jesus' return, uh, uh, his second coming. And, and people are rushing uh, to Jesus. And the builder is rushing with, with arms filled with building blueprints. And the cobbler is rushing with, with arms filled with uh, shoes. And the baker is rushing with arms filled with baked goods, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
And the idea is that uh, as they approach, the, they, they lay down the things that they have done at the feet of Jesus. These are, these are my offerings. My call, if you will, was to honor you through the gifts that you have given me. That's my call. And I work out my calling through my call. My calling has more to do with the gifts of uh, the fruit of the Spirit. And that's something that we all share. We have a universal calling to exhibit and to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Those are the fruits that we should uh, all seek to cultivate in our lives as the Holy Spirit transforms us into the image of Jesus Christ. And, 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 and that is something that is universal amongst God's people. That is the calling that we share. And we carry that calling into the specific call, which I think is reflected in the gifts of the Spirit. And the gifts of the Spirit, you can read about those in the 12th chapter of, of Romans or in the 12th chapter of uh, 1 Corinthians. Uh, he gave some as apostles. He gave some as prophets. He gave some as pastors, uh, uh, teachers. Uh, it, you know, Some people have gifts of administration. Some people have gifts of, uh, of hospitality. People have gifts of giving. People have gifts of mercy. We have different gifts from the Spirit, and it is the different gifts. And Paul talks about how important it is for us to recognize uh, that, that there, there's one body, but different members of the body. Not everybody's a hand, not everybody's an ear, not everybody's an eye. But it takes hands, ears, eyes, feet to create one healthy body. Those are the gifts of the Holy Spirit as opposed to the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so what the author here is saying, brothers and sisters, who share in the heavenly calling, the heavenly calling to honor and glorify God in whatever we do. Some of you are catechized as kids uh, and uh, the Westminster Confession, the first question, what is the chief end of, uh, what is the chief end of man? What is the chief end of humanity? To love God and honor Him forever. Fix your eyes, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and the high priest whom we confess. You know, it reminds me of Romans. Romans chapter 10, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart that you believe and are justified and with the mouth that you confess and are saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That is our confession. And, and, and I know that, you know, people talk about, oh, what does it mean to be saved? And there's, you know, there's tons of, of, uh, of inappropriate jokes out there, and it's like you know, you know, uh, 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 who, who was it that in the Oh Brother Where Art Thou, uh, Babyface Nelson, Babyface, and, uh, and it, after he robs a bank, he says Jesus saves, but George Nelson withdraws, uh, and uh, you know, and, and people talk about uh, what is it saved from? What I don't need to be saved. What are we saved from? Is our own self destruction. The, the, the habits that we cultivate apart from Christ that destroy the image in which we have been created. So that is our confession, that we confess together. 
that Jesus, he was the one who was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all of God's house. Jesus was found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of the house has greater honor than the house itself. You know, we see this in Coronado. It's not just the house, it's who built the house. You understand this, don't you, uh, Wesley? If, you, uh, if, if your house is, uh, is grandfathered or identified under the Mills Act, you get a, a great reduction in your property tax. Well, uh, in order for that designation uh, to, uh, to be given to you by the city, You've got to do all kinds of research, and that's what Wesley did for a while. You still do that? Yeah, that's what Wesley did for a while. Uh, and, and one of the things they want to know is who built the house because that makes a difference. It doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside. It matters who built it. So we have the ultimate uh, Mills Act when we come to the Lord and we talk about the house that God has built. Who built it? You know, the author here tells us that uh, uh, the, the builder of the house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God, God is the builder of everything. God is the builder of everything. God created everything that we see. And I love this going back, uh, uh, going back to the very first chapter of Hebrews, talking about Jesus as the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. In, in theological circles, we talk about creation as, as uh, ex nihilo. Ex nihilo, which means literally out of nothing. That God created the universe ex nihilo. He created the universe out of nothing. One instance, there was nothing. God said, let there be light. And he literally spoke light into existence. And then everything that followed. God spoke creation into being. And it is by the word that all of creation is sustained. God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in God's house, testifying to what would be said in the future. What would be said in the future? Well, if you go back to uh, uh, the book of Deuteronomy, uh, and Moses is telling them this. The Lord, this is in the 18th chapter of Deuteronomy, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers and sisters. And again, at the end, uh, the very last paragraph of uh, the book of Deuteronomy, and since it, it, this is now looking back on the career of Moses, considered by the Jews to be the greatest of all time, since then, no prophet has arisen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all those miraculous signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his officials uh, in this whole land. For no one, no one has ever shown 
the mighty power or perform the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of God. <laughs> Greatest of all times. But you read in you read in the book of Acts in the third chapter, as Peter is uh, 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 speaking one of his sermons, he says, "The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet." Uh, for Moses said, Moses said, this is uh, chapter three, verse uh, twenty-two. For Moses said, "The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you to do." Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from his people. Moses was faithful as a servant in God's house, testifying to what would be said in the future. What would be said in the future was the incarnation of the Word, who would absolutely be the greatest of all time. Moses was a faithful servant in God's house. Christ is a faithful, is faithful as a son over God's house. In God's house, over God's house. We had some interesting conversation about what it meant for Moses to be a faithful servant inside God's house. And uh, you know, one of the things that uh, one of the things that Moses did was he got the blueprints from uh, from God for the uh, for the temple, uh, for the tabernacle, and uh, and they and they put all that together. If you're reading through the Bible in a year, you're probably moving through that section right now of building the temple and what it looks like. Uh, uh, and of course, it was a portable temple. It was a portable tab tabernacle, and uh, and uh, the Levites were responsible for uh, for its maintenance. Uh, and and the the Lord led Israel uh, a, a pillar of fire by night, a, a pillar of smoke by day. And when the and when the pillar set down, they built the temple around the glory of God. And as long as that cloud or that pillar of fire stayed, they stayed. Whether it was one day, one week, or one month. Uh, and then when the pillar was lifted up, they disassembled that, uh, that tabernacle and they followed as God led them uh, to the next place where they would set it up. And so some have argued that, that that's what's being talked about here. Uh, that as he was a, a faithful servant in God's house and building this tabernacle, where he where he dwelt, but others others would say no 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 we want to expand that even a little bit more that God's house literally was the nation of Israel that they were His people that God identified with them and through them desired to show the rest of the world who the true and living God really is. However you look at it, if if it was if he was and 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 even within that family. Uh, within that people, Moses was uh, the spokesperson for God. And he was faithful in that family. He was faithful in that house as they moved forward. Was Moses perfect? Not by a long shot. Not by a long shot. He got angry. He got frustrated with the people because they were stiff-necked. But yet, Moses also had the temerity to argue with God. God said, you know, why don't I just wipe them out and start over with you? And Moses said, don't you dare. What would you be telling the rest of the world? Oh, God brought his people out of Egypt so he could bring them out into the middle of nowhere to, to wipe them out. No, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, we'll get through this, Lord. We'll get through this. We just need you, we just need you to be with us and be faithful. And Moses, and, and God said, okay. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna so so even though Moses was not a perfect person, he was faithful within that house, faithful to his call. 
and the calling of God to honor God in his life as he administered this stiff-necked people. But then what does he go on to say? The author goes on to say that as Moses was a faithful servant in God's house, testifying to what would be said in the future, we've already talked about that a little bit, but now, but Christ is, a, is, is faithful as a son over God's house. He's over God's house because he is outside of time. He is not a part of creation. He is Creation is a function of God and his abilities. And God is necessarily outside of time. Jesus broke into time. I love this. C.S. Lewis, he said the only way, and, I, and this is a great illustration. Uh, I think it's a great illustration. Uh, he says the only way that Hamlet, y'all know who Hamlet is? Yeah, okay. Yeah, William Shakespeare. Uh, uh, he, he said the only way that Hamlet could ever come to know William Shakespeare would be if William Shakespeare wrote himself into the play and introduced himself in dialogue that Shakespeare himself would write and say, oh, Hamlet, Bill here, I'm the one that created you. Well, nice to meet you. The only way that Hamlet could ever know Shakespeare would be if Shakespeare wrote himself into a play and introduced himself to Hamlet. In, in, in a like manner, the only way the author of creation could ever be known by the created creature would be if the author himself wrote himself apart in creation and introduced himself. And I submit to you that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who is and was and will be the greatest of all time, has been written into history to show us the face of God. To teach us how to respond, not only to the creation that has been given to us, which was given to us good, and we were, and we were to be, be responsible stewards of that, but also to understand the fall and what disobedience can bring about. To teach us how to live according to, 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 to God's moral compass, and yet punctuate it with grace. Jesus teaches us how to live with one another. And then he goes to the cross and pays the ultimate price. It is finished. When the work of redemption was finished, he sat down at the right hand of God the Father. He rose from the dead and ascended up into the heavens where he is sovereign over all of creation, sovereign over all of God's house as a faithful, perfect, servant. To me, that qualifies as the greatest of all time. And then, and then he goes on, and I love this. I, I, I love this. Moses was faithful as a servant in all of God's house, testifying to what would be said in the future, but Christ is faithful as a son over God's house, and we, we are his house. We are his house. 
And I love this. I love the, I love the tie-in as you, as you follow the threads. What happened to that, that, that tabernacle? Which, by the way, I told some people on, on Saturday uh, and on, on Friday that that was the first mobile home. But what happened to it? They carried that thing around for centuries. David comes along and says, I'm going to build a permanent place for you, Lord. And the Lord said, no, not you, David. You have too much blood on your hands. We'll let, uh, we'll let your son Solomon do it. And so Solomon did it. Solomon built a magnificent temple, a magnificent temple that was totally destroyed in uh, 586 B.C. And, and the nation of Israel was uh, 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 captured and taken to Babylon where they, were, where they were there for 70 years and they came back and they rebuilt the temple. It's called the Second Temple Period. And that temple, which, uh, uh, which was, was built and then added on by Herod, uh, another beautiful structure, was torn down and destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD. And some people are still looking for uh, a third temple to be uh, rebuilt in Jerusalem. But for us, we don't need a temple anymore. The, the primary purpose of the temple was a place not just to worship God, but to offer your sacrifices to atone for your sins. That's been done for us once and for all by the greatest of all times. It has been completed and we now are the temple of God. It is the Holy Spirit that now dwells. The glory of God, the, that, the, you know, the, 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 the Holy of Holies behind that curtain where the, uh, uh, where the Ark of the Covenant resided was considered to be the, the, the place where the, where the Shekinah glory, the glory of God resided. And only the high priest could go in there and then only once a year to offer a, a sacrifice of atonement for the nation of Israel. We're going to talk more about that high priest function in the days ahead as we as we get into this book. But when Jesus died on the cross, that curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple was torn top to bottom. And the symbolism there is now the glory of God is available to everybody. And when the Holy Spirit came at the day of Pentecost and indwelt the believers, we became the repository, if you will, of the glory of God. We now are the temples. We are God's house. Each and every one of us, if we hold on to our courage and the hope of which we boast. Hold on. Remain faithful. Be courageous. Because without that faith, without that grounding in the person of Jesus Christ, what's going to happen? We're going to drift. That's what he talked about in the beginning of chapter 2. We're going to drift. And as we drift, we drift away. And the, and the currents of our culture are powerful. The currents of our culture are powerful. We must be anchored in Christ. We must be tethered. And if you've ever seen a, a, a ship at anchor, small or large, the current pulls on that vessel. And if it were not for that anchor, you would be left to the mercies of the current and the wind. 
in our day and age, we cannot afford to take our eyes off Christ. And that's the exhortation that I want to leave you with today. It is, it is our calling to fix our thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess. And how do we do that? How do we fix our thoughts on Christ Jesus? We do it by spending time in this book. We do it by spending time in prayer. We do it by spending time in the soul exercises that we've printed on the bulletins ever since we've gone into this pandemic. It's engaging in spiritual disciplines that make space for the Holy Spirit to come into our lives that gives us the courage and the strength of which we boast to keep our thoughts and our eyes fixed on Jesus, who is and always will be the greatest of all time. Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org. Well, I guess as long as there are competitions in the world, there will be conversations about who is the greatest of all time. But now you know better. Now you know better. There is only one who is the greatest of all times. Oh, there are great athletes. Uh, there are great leaders. There are great actors. But they all pale in comparison to the true greatest of all time. So let us keep our eyes and our thoughts focused on Jesus that we might not drift, but be faithful now and forevermore. We gather to worship. We go forth to serve.